several weeks that we will be having an ordination service today. Most ordination services occur out of the sight of the congregation that the person being ordained is to serve. Um, most ordination services, if, well, if not all that I'm familiar with, take place at some annual denominational setting. And so a lot of the congregations are in, unable to be there. I think, I, I am glad, in fact, in all the years I've pastored, this is the first ordination service that's ever been done in the local church where the ordinand is going to serve. So I think that um, that is a good thing. I know that some of us in our lives, in fact, I've heard a lot of people say to me even, I just felt like you were talking directly to me in that sermon. Today, that's kind of the way it is with Tanner. We're going to be talking directly to him. This whole sermon is aimed at him. <laughs> you, though, there are some things here for you to hear too. But part of an ordination sermon is a charge to the person being ordained. And so that's our setting today. I, there's so much in the scripture about the ministry and um, the awesome responsibility. There are way too many scriptures. It's overwhelming. So I want to settle for just one very short statement from Jesus as our text for today. And it's at the conclusion of John's Gospel, the 20th chapter, the 20th verse. Now when he, that's Jesus, had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. We'll end our reading there. That simple statement, as my Father sent me, so I send you. That's the greatest ordination statement that's ever been made. I send you. The ministry, very briefly, needs to be defined. There are two in a sense, I think, kinds of ministry in the New Testament. One, Thomas Oden is responsible for this division. One is called the general ministry. That is the ministry that all of us as Christians are called to. That is to be the hands and feet and lips of Jesus in the workplace, the school, the home, Everywhere we go, we are all called to that general ministry of reflecting Jesus. We're, I don't know where we are in a phase that's been around a long time, um, 
it's hard for me to measure how long this phase has been around because I never paying attention to it. But it's the notion that in an effort to kind of tear down any division between the minister and the laity, well, we're all ministers. Yes, in a certain sense, we are. But the general ministry is different than what we can call the, the ordered ministry or the ordained ministry. That is set apart. There are people who are specifically called to use the phrase that Paul used of himself. They were set apart unto the gospel. He, in fact, said, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. So it's that specified ministry that we're talking about here today. Several points. One, the ministry is a calling. Now, that's not an original thought. The ministry is a calling. In this sense, there are two aspects to the calling. One is the inward call. The inward call is that very personal, increasing, insisting, captivating, almost irresistible. It can be, we have a will. But it is an inescapable inward conviction that I am separated under the gospel. You have to have that. The call on the individual is critical. Without that call, I don't, don't want to get far off the subject here, but without that call, there lacks authority, there lacks anointing on the ministry, there, there lacks everything. There is a case in the Old Testament of a minister, putting that in quotes, that wanted so badly to be a messenger, but he'd not been called to be a messenger. But he wanted to be a messenger. Is in the battle between David and Absalom. And Absalom, of course, led a revolt against David, tried to kill his own father and take his place on the throne. And they had the great, great battle between the armies of Israel and, and uh, that were under David, were loyal to him and all the rest of the army that joined in the uprising. And David, they said, David said, I'm going into battle with you. And they said, no, there's no way you're going to go into battle with us. You stay home, support us from there. And so he did. The battle went very badly for Absalom. They were routed. And Joab, the general of David's army, looked around for a messenger he thought would be suitable to bring the news to David of two things. One, resounding victory, which would be celebratory. Two, the death of Absalom which would break David's heart. 
And Joab looked around, and I can't remember who he picked, but he said, here's the message, you go. Well, the guy that wanted to be, I think it was, um, I can't remember his name, starts with an A, it doesn't matter. But Joab sent this messenger. He takes off. The other man, who was a good man, he was a Levite, he is standing there, you know, kind of jumping up and down and saying, can I run, can I run, can I run? Joab said, I, you got nothing to say. I'm not sending you. Yeah, but I want to run. So finally, Joab says, okay, run. He was such a good runner, he caught up with the first messenger and passed him and got to David first. And David saw him in the distance, said, he's a good man, he's probably got good news. When he gets there, David said, what's the news? And essentially, he said this, well, there was a great tumult when I left, I'm not sure. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're not called, you have nothing to say and no authority to say it. You have to be called. You all know that I was raised in a parsonage, pastor's home, and my dad's blunt way of always putting it to us was, if you can do anything else and stay out of hell, don't preach. It's a moral choice. It ends up being a heaven or hell decision. That inward call is that clear. However, having said all that, we don't completely trust the individual. We hope they're honest. We hope they mean well. But that doesn't mean they couldn't be flawed. They could mistake what they feel in here as an inward call. So God has clearly provided, it's very biblical, that there is, in addition to the inward call, there's an outward call. The outward call is the formal recognition by the church that indeed we concur and we confirm that this man's testimony of an inward call is valid. We recognize, and there's an old phrase, we recognize in this young man the gifts and the graces that are necessary for him to perform what he says he's been called to do. So no one calls themselves into the ministry. Jesus, the head of the church, does the calling. And the church confirms that. Probably the clearest example, and some don't even think it's an actual ordination. It's more of a commissioning to a specific duty. But in the 13th chapter of Acts, the Holy Spirit said to the elders in the church at Antioch, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the ministry that I've called them to. So clearly, God's doing the calling. No one's taking this into themselves. So what happened then? 
those same elders gathered and in the outward confirmation of the inward call laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and it says commissioned or sent them out to the ministry that the Lord had called them to. What we're doing today is ancient. It is biblical. And we are, as a group of ordained elders, serving the flock, laying hands in a public confirmation, outward call of someone who testifies clearly and has the gifts and the graces confirming an inward call. That's what we mean by the ministry is a calling. <clears throat> Secondly, the ministry involves a charge. This is, it's, it's a charge primarily, in this case, to the ordinand, the person being ordained. The word charge means to impose a task or a duty. What is the task or duty that the ministry, as a charge, imposes on the minister? I would just say four things quickly. One, to, to partake. What do I mean by that? I mean you have to have you have to have a crystal clear experience of being born of God. Second, a crystal clear experience of being entirely sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit for the removal of the inward, inherited, sinful nature. I'll maybe mention that a bit more in a moment. But in addition to that, Everything else that goes with being a solid, stalwart Christian. The minister can't preach the new birth if he hasn't been born again. The minister can't lead someone into a second work of grace if he's never experienced it. The minister can't be urging you to read Scripture when he doesn't. The minister can't be exhorting you to prayer if he doesn't. He can't tell you to give. If he doesn't, the, the charge then to the minister is be an example of the believers. Be an example. Paul called himself in a stunning statement. Paul said, I am a pattern to all those who after me should believe. That's an awesome. And here's a thought that I, it puts me under conviction. And I, I think, Lord, I don't even know if I can say this. But Paul said, you be followers of Christ like I am. Now, Paul didn't assume that to himself. He wasn't arrogant. He recognized the crushing responsibility that that is. You follow Jesus. Because what are we dealing with here? We can't ever forget this. What are we dealing with? We're dealing with heaven and hell for eternity. That's what we're dealing with. This happens to be the ministry is the only vocation 
with eternal consequences. There is no other vocation that on which hangs heaven and hell. So it is beyond important that I be a partaker of the gospel. Paul said, the farmer must be first partaker of the fruits. Second, this charge is not only to partake, but to prepare. Now, God has had wonderful illustrations down through the years, the centuries, of people with very, very poor educational and maybe even intellectual abilities. But God's mightily used them. But they are the exception. We often cite them and say, well, we don't need to go to school. And there's been a movement lately that you go out and do ministry. Don't take time wasting your time in a classroom learning the original languages and the scripture and maybe a little dab of theology. <laughs> Don't waste your time without, get out and do ministry. You'll do nothing but lead people astray all over the place because you don't know where you're going or where you've been or whether you're going to get there to prepare. John Wesley's famous statement was, if I knew I had 10 years only left in my life to minister, I would spend five years in preparation and accomplish more in the second five prepared than in the whole 10 poorly or unprepared. This charge to be a minister is a charge to prepare. So our denomination, every decent denomination, has strict standards, requirements, Preparation. Third, persevere. This charge is to stick with it. And specifically, I want to say what I mean by persevere. Not only keep your soul and walk with God and don't get off track, but you have to learn all the time. You have to learn all the time. Now, most of you, many of you, privileged few, have been into my office, to the inner sanctum, and you've seen my library. I've, I don't know how many hundreds of books I've got, and I tell people, read every one of them, <laughs> studiously. Um, that's not entirely true. I've read in them, let's put it that way. But seriously, you can't ever stop reading, studying, learning, growing. That's part of the charge to stay sharp as much as you can while staying rooted in the traditional preaching of the gospel. So there's relevancy you've got to maintain while always being tethered to the foundation of the Bible, which my word never changes, never fails, never passes away. God's, it's been a long time since God's taken a poll on ethics and commandments. And, you know, he, God's trying to keep up with science. So he knows what we're, we can now do that we didn't used to be able to do. 
Finally, <clears throat> this charge involves performing the greatest task. In the background, I haven't really mentioned it yet, but in the background of all this, in the background of the charge to the minister is the flock of God. To take care the flock of God. Shepherd God's sheep. I think probably, I don't know, as a minister, if I don't think I maintain a consciousness of the heavy responsibility of that all the time. I mean, you have other things to think about. But every once in a while, it just hits you afresh. These aren't my sheep. That's God's sheep. And if I foul up, if I neglect them, if I lead them astray, I can't be any plainer than this. If I do that and somehow don't take care of it, I'll go to hell. I'll go to hell. That's serious. We are, the, the Old Testament especially, the new too, but the old is filled with all of the, and I'm using the, the fury of God at, he said, the shepherds who feed themselves and not the sheep. And who I just read this morning, and it's very graphic. So I won't use, well, I'll, I will use it. This is God. He was so angry with the priests and the Levites and the prophets. He said, I will take the excrement from the animals that you sacrifice. And he said, I'll smear it on your face. Now, that's what God thinks of a minister that fails intentionally. I'm not talking about doing our best. We're human. But who neglects or mistreats. God's sheep. They're not our sheep. We're in a whole day today, which I can't say too much either about. I'll get over my time. But everything today is, you know, how to build my church. Listen, this is not my church. This is Jesus' church. He owns you. And he's paying attention to how I take care of you or fail to take care of you. That's an awesome, frightening responsibility so the ministry involves a charge third the ministry involves a commission now the word commission is different than charge somewhat it is authorization and this also is a huge responsibility authorization to act as an agent for another so God, when Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. We are, Paul says, we're ambassadors for Christ as though Jesus pleads with the world through us. Be reconciled to God. I don't know, I've probably said this before and I don't mean to be sacrilegious if I were God, I never would have come up with this system. 
I, I don't know. Um, to pick people that are human like us and say, I want you to be, I want you to be my face to these people. I'd have never, I'd, I'd have never done that. But God did. God did. Here's why, I think. I was praying just this morning. As all of us in the ministry, we pray the same thing every Sunday. Lord, I can't do it. I don't have the wherewithal to get up and speak the truth. Can't do it. Totally inadequate. For the umpteenth time, telling God that, I was reminded, he sort of already knows that. It's not like God is saying, my land, I didn't realize. Yeah, he knows I'm inadequate. He knows, he knows. That's partly why he did it. And Paul said he calls not the noble, not the great. He calls flawed people. But if he can get our hearts, if he can have the minister's whole heart, he can take care of all the rest. So <clears throat> this authorization to be an agent is what's behind commissioning. We send, I send you, knowing you can't do it on your own. But what did he say? Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'll never leave you. It's an awesome responsibility then, this commissioning that God sends. It's a, it's an, it's a terrible accounting on two, in two ways. Us, which I've already mentioned, but we'll answer God. I'm grateful for forgiveness with God. Um, I, if I, you know what I've done? I know that generations to come will grieve over this. But I've thrown away three-quarters of the sermons that I have written out over the years, especially the early ones. I look at them and think, I can't believe what I can't believe I preached that. Now, not heresy, or not something mean or whatever, but just dumb. <laughs> think. Uh, I can tell you, uh, let me tell you one thing is gone from my sermon files. All of the sermons on raising children, if you can believe this, on raising children before I had any. <laughs> I don't have those anymore. I go back and I look and I hear, and, and then I think, I said earlier, if I were God, I don't know if I'd have done this system. I look, I was 22 years old, let loose on an unsuspecting congregation. Who would do that? <laughs> God, because he knows, I got this. I got him. I got you. I, I can take care of things. <clears throat> it's also a tremendous accountability for the hearers. Now, I have to be careful here. I'm only speaking of biblical truth. I'm not talking about what color the carpet is in the new building we're building. Preachers have opinions on everything. 
there's one area that you have to be very careful. It, in seminary, they told us it was the God complex. God has told me the carpet should be blue. No, he doesn't. I don't care what the preacher says. He didn't tell you that. But it's from the Bible. If it's God's truth, then here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I send you out. And he said, if they won't listen to you, I counted as not listening to me. That's the accountability, not only on the speaker to speak the truth, but on the hearer to listen. There is accountability for what we hear. Finally, <clears throat> the ministry requires a consecration on the part of the minister, an utter, utter renunciation of his rights, his preferences, his private agenda. We have different forms of government <clears throat> in denominations, but there's an awful lot that's similar. However a minister is placed in a congregation, in a church, whether it be by vote, whether it be by appointment of a superintendent or whatever, still overall, we're itinerants, meaning we travel, we move. There are gifts and graces that a certain man has in a specific setting that are needed for that time. But often then his work is done. His special abilities and gifts are finished as far as the effect there, and they need someone else. So God moves them. Dr. Richard Taylor, <coughs> priest of wonderful ordination sermon I heard years and years ago, and at least two of the points were, one, God employs, God deploys. He sends us, so you better be willing to travel. Now, I grew up in the pastorate. You move. If God moves you, you move. Well, all my friends are here. Write them. Call them. Text them. But you're moving. I've known, I've been in a position where I appointed ministers to churches and faced the wrath of the pastor, his wife, and his kids, and I'm not minimizing those things. Oh, we don't want to move. You need to move. It's time to move. Why? What's behind it? My life's not my own. Now, I've been marked. I know that I'm psychologically damaged because when my, my father, I was 11, playing Little League, you had the uniform, the whole business. Played in Vancouver, Washington for Hood's Corn Curls team. Is the pre-core, but this it does have an effect on me because that was kind of the forerunner of Cheetos. <laughs> That's the team I played for. In those days, in the denomination we were in then, you're appointed on Friday night. Sunday you announced it to the church. The following Sunday was your last sermon. Monday morning the conference movers showed up with a truck and you're gone. 
and I turned in my little league uniform to the coach. Um, my career was gone. <laughs> You're at God's disposal. We're not our own. And that has to be settled for the minister and for his family. And the family will go the way the minister trains them. I grew up with a lot of preacher's kids, many of them, who were bitter at the church. I never figured, I wasn't even right with God for a good portion of my youth and early college years. But I never was mad at the church or mad at God because my dad was a preacher because they taught us this is noble. This is God. We work for God. There wasn't this then, well, and my father helped us. My brother knows this. I still remember him. Early in one of his churches we moved there, he just got, he told us, he said, now listen, lay off of my kids is the idea. He said, the preacher's kids have got to be better than everybody else. He said, is false. He said, besides that, the only people the preacher's kids have got to play with are layman's kids. So he said, it's your fault. <laughs> your life's not your own. But really, is that a high thing for a minister? No, because every Christian has to be that way too. Every one of us have to be. My life's not my own. So this consecration is on the part of the... There's really, in a sense, three consecration settings apart. There's three. One, me to the Lord. Two, the Lord sets me apart. Paul said, God set me apart. And then third is the public setting apart that we do as the church when we set apart to the ministry. That's enough, except for this. This whole commitment, this whole ministry is embodied in three questions that every minister, especially every Christian, but also especially every minister has to answer within himself. And I would say this to Tanner but to us. First, do you love me? Jesus' question to Peter before he ever gave him a flock of sheep was, do you love me? Second, will you lay down your life for the sheep? That's the second question. Third question, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Because in that passage I read, Jesus said, I'm sending you, and breathed on them, and in anticipation of Pentecost said, receive the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, don't you leave Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. That's a, an attempt to try to explain the ministry and what we're doing here today. <clears throat> I want us to briefly just have a closing word of prayer for this portion of our service and then we'll move a little bit of furniture here and 
then we will move into the ordination ritual itself. Father in heaven, I pray that your grace would rest not only on this congregation today as we, through the laying on of our hands, we all agree to set apart Tanner Sandvik to the ministry, but I pray that this would be a peculiar blessing upon him and charge to him that never leaves him. <clears throat> we pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus, the head of the church. Amen. Well, on behalf of the Churches of Christ and Christian Union, and on behalf of our General Superintendent, Dr. Mike Holbrook, and our West Central District Superintendent, Reverend Joe Duvall, it is a privilege to be here today for this sacred purpose. And I just want you to know that uh, it was worth the mild, miles traveled and uh, the layover in Denver. Uh, it was worth it to be here today for this grand purpose. And I want you to know that uh, I've never been a part of a local setting doing what we are doing today, as Dan mentioned. And I think this is, if it could ever be done, this would be one of the ways to do it. So we're thankful for it. There isn't any greater name than we can invoke, invoke today than what we are about to do to commence this act of worship. So bow your heads with me, if you will, please. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. First from Isaiah, then Matthew, then First Timothy. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in, in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. From Paul, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, 
fulfill your ministry. The purpose of this sacred gathering is to recognize the call of God to the work of Christian ministry on the life of Tanner Sandvik, to preach the gospel as he devotes himself to service in the kingdom of Christ. For this body of believers, this is an opportunity to commit yourselves faithfully to pray and for and support those whom God has called. Dr. Holbrook, on behalf of the General Board of Examination and Ordination, I certify that Tanner Sandvik has met the requirements for ordination in the Churches of Christ and Christian Union. He has completed the course of study, has met the requirements of ministry experience. He has served this church and preached and taught the Word of God in keeping with the high and holy calling. He has been examined by the Board of Examination and Ordination. He has been given the evidence for Christian ministry. This board recommends him to receive ordination in the Churches of Christ and Christian Union. Dr. Holbrook, I present to you Tanner Sandwick. of all come right on up give them a hand would you I know you love them you're waiting to do something so just let them know how much you appreciate them <clears throat> what a privilege to be here today I first of all I want to thank you for just helping us to feel right at home and for being a part of the churches of Christ and Christian Union I want to say this to Tanner and Katie before we get started that many probably would say, it's great that you're a part of the Churches of Christ Christian Union. That is true. But we're a part of the kingdom of God, first of all. And what a privilege that you have chosen us as well. And I want to say thank you for that. And we want to honor you in all that we can. Tanner, you have heard of the dignity and the great importance it is to be ordained. We exhort you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you consider well the responsibility of being a messenger, a watchman, and steward of the Lord. You are to teach and to admonish, to feed and provide for the Lord's family, to seek the lost, to proclaim the glad tidings of the gospel of God, and to care for his children, for they are the sheep of Christ for whom he shed his precious blood. Wherefore, consider the exalted purpose of your ministry, and how great a treasure is committed to your charge. Make sure, therefore, that nothing may ever be wanting in your labor, your care, or diligence, that you may do all that lies in your power to bring the unsaved to Christ, and to lead all who are committed to your charge to such a knowledge of God and personal holiness in Christ." that no place be left for error in doctrine or waywardness of life. Consider seriously, therefore, how diligent you ought to be in the study of the Scriptures, in regulating the conduct of yourself and family so that you may be 
a godly example for all people to follow. Apart from the power of God, you cannot do this. There's been a lot that's been mentioned, a lot that you may feel has been dumped on you, but know this, God goes before you, and it is in his power that that takes place. We know that uh, we have confidence in you, and we know that the Holy Spirit's going to be with you to help you in that. Ponder these things long before this time, and that you have fully determined by the grace of God to give yourself wholly to this calling and to devote your studies and efforts to become a good minister of Jesus Christ. And now that the assembled congregation may understand your purpose and promise, we ask you in the name of God and his church to affirm your faith and take these solemn vows. Tanner, do you believe that God has called you to the life and work of an ordained minister? If you do, please say, I do so believe. I do so believe. Do you believe in the, the triune God, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you do, I do so confess. I do so confess. Amen. Are you persuaded that the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments contain all things for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and are the unique and authoritative standard for the church's faith and life? If so, say, I am so persuaded by God's grace. I am so persuaded by God's grace. Amen. Will you be faithful in prayer, in the study of the Holy Scriptures, and with the help of the Holy Spirit continually rekindle the gift of God that is in you. If so, I will with the help of God. I will with the help of God. Will you earnestly endeavor to pattern your life in accordance to the teachings of Christ, seeking to live a life of holiness that reflects the character of our Lord? If so, I will with the help of God. I will with the help of God. Will you faithfully proclaim the message of heart holiness and Christ-likeness, exhorting people to experience a transforming grace of God. Will you proclaim the message of deliverance from the power and pollution of sin? If so, I will with the help of God. I will with the help of God. Amen. Will you be loyal to the Churches of Christ and Christian Union, accepting its order, doctrine, and discipline, defending it against all doctrines contrary to God's holy word, and committing yourself to be accountable to those serving with you, and to those who are appointed to supervise your ministry. If so, I will with the help of God. I will with the help of God. I'm going to ask the congregation, if you would, to stand for a moment. May God, who has given you the will to do these things, give you grace to perform them, that the work begun in you may be brought to perfection. In the congregation, would you please say, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. We are going to ask that Tanner and Katie, if you'd kneel. with us.
Tanner, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Preach the word. <laughs> Watch in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. Take authority to administer the sacraments. And now, by the authority vested in me as general superintendent of the churches of Christ and Christian Union, I ordain you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Now, would you join us in song? Tanner. If you'll remain standing, we will sing a very familiar hymn used in ordinations across many denominations, Charged to Keep I Have, hymn by Charles Wesley. And then remain standing for just the presentation of the certificate of ordination to Tanner. And then we will have the benediction and dismissal. And while that benediction is taking place, Tanner and Katie, we're asking them to go to out near the front doors, and you may greet them um, as you leave. So, Jessica, lead us in our hymn. to you and first of all welcome you as part of the family of the churches of christ and christian union what a thrill what a blessing that you are and will be and we can tell that you're you're loved and you have a lot of backing but we want to be there for you as well this certificate uh just says tanner sandvik is an ordained minister in good standing you heard a great message today 
you heard one that uh, may be the best I've heard in a challenge and in a way to walk the walk and the talk. And I know you're going to do that. But here is the certificate. Congratulations. And we are proud of you, as we know this congregation is as well. Would you just share your appreciation with me? Amen. And it is with great joy that I present to you Mr. and Mrs. Tanner Sandwich. Bless you. Amen. So you may take your spot and place there. May we hear these words of benediction at the conclusion of the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>